0: I just want to do God's will. The kind
1: of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want
0: a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen.
1: You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here. You know, the gospel is timeless, but we do go through periods uh, in society where we rethink things, you know. You, you all the way back from you know the Reformation. There's just we're constantly wrestling with this idea of what is the gospel, uh, and it it varies oftentimes the way it looks across different cultures, uh, different people groups, uh, and I think part of our task uh, to always have a good answer for our faith uh, and and things like that is an understanding of communicating where we're at today uh, to the people in our lives where we're at uh, in the present uh, and so it's good to to kind of wrestle with some of these things and I'm excited because today I've got a guest who's coming to us from Australia in the Sydney area where he pastors uh, and he has a book where he's dealt with some of these things it's called searching for God in Christianity available wherever you pick up books and the author and my guest is sean nolan uh so this will be a good exercise uh if you're not a christian uh i think you might find some things in here interesting may destroy some misconceptions or uh you know maybe get you thinking about some things you hadn't thought about Uh, if you are a christian uh, this is always a great exercise to re-examine our faith so that we can communicate it more effectively to others sean great to have you on life today live
1: Thanks, Randy. And uh, it's awesome to be with you and with all your your listeners today. And I'm really looking forward to having a great conversation about, as you said, you know, what is the gospel uh, and how does that, you know, help us and change us and even at times challenge us uh, as Christians and people who, as you mentioned, might not be. Uh, a full believer yet, yeah, but on a journey with the
0: Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all on a journey. So that, that's, that's okay. That's a <laughs> yeah. good thing. I, I tell people, yeah, give amen. us a little bit of a foundation uh, as, as to what you're looking at and where you're going in this.
1: Yeah, great. So the book kind of came out of two areas of my life. One was that I was a carer for 25 years for both my parents as they both very slowly passed away. My dad had strokes over many years. And my mum, when she died, according to her palliative care doctor in one of the large hospitals here in Western Sydney, uh, was my mum was the national record holder for the woman to um, be for terminal ovarian cancer. So she had terminal ovarian cancer for the longest more than anyone else in our country, according to this doctor. So that was a really long journey of going through that. And it caused me to ask questions of like, Lord, you know how do you answer prayer uh your gospel is powerful but what does that look like because my my people were praying for healing but for my mom and my dad heaven was healing for both of them and then it also came out of a more like a professional journey or a ministry journey uh there was one particular meeting i was or i was working as a uh, denominational leader at the time and i was in a meeting at the auburn in the Salvation Army State Headquarters in Sydney in a suburb called Auburn. And I'd organised for all of the denominational leaders to gather. And we were sitting there and we were putting this prayer summit on that our state premier ended up attending and our prime minister actually even personally encouraged. And it was a really once in a generation day where all the denominations, Protestant denominations, came together. Uh, And then we had the Bible Society and all these different people there. And in this planning meeting, a conversation arose about why are we seeing such a sort of decline in christianity in our generation and if the gospel is so powerful why aren't we seeing forward movement and so we had this conversation and i remember this one particular moment randy where uh, me and, and one of the other leaders there just had this epiphany this realization that all the great leaders we love from the past um they've all passed on and gone to heaven uh I, I'm pretty sure I heard the familiar voice of Dr. Graham there in the intro, and I've mm. uh, had a lot to do with uh, Billy's grandson, uh, Will Graham, and some and, and others as they've come out here. Dr. Graham and others—they've—they've they've gone to their rest; their well-deserved rest. Um, and we love telling the stories about all that power from their lifetime. But how do we access that power? today, mm. uh, how do we see that return today? We don't want an escapist mentality when we're always talking about the past, or always talking about the revival to come, but how do we access that today? And we had this conversation in that meeting, me and the other Denominational leaders, and it really sort of lived rent free in my head for 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 a little while, that, that chat. And it was really the origin of the book of looking at uh, some great theologians from the last 2,000 year history of the church uh, translating uh, their thoughts out of theological jargon into everyday English so that anyone can understand it, and then presenting these great solutions and these great thoughts, obviously intermingled with my own thoughts along the way, uh, in the towards the area of how do we see a return um, to a powerful Christianity, and I'm not talking about allowed Christianity necessarily there, <laughs> uh, but a powerful Christianity because the two can be different things. Yeah, and Jesus says continually that the gentle will inherit the earth, and so uh, yeah, that was really the origin of the book and the journey that I've been on.
0: Let's before we talk about some of the the history and kind of where we're at today in the culture, um, I'm curious about uh, you know the the difficulty of being a caregiver for those you love yeah. as much as we can love you know people on this earth um a couple of questions now did you have uh, were you a, a christian were you a believer at the time that you're going through this and were your parents
1: yeah so i was a believer uh, my mom was a very strong believer and my dad was a very confused believer so he had a <laughs> A faith in the Lord, but he also had a lot of um, issues, uh, quite violent at times. And even when he was in a wheelchair, he would still lash out. And a lot of that was to do with frustration and all that kind of thing. And so uh, faith at times helps and it could also be a hindrance um, because it causes you to ask a lot of questions. Um, And there was one particular moment that I had. I remember when my mum died, she died first um out of my parents and i was scheduled to go out to a very outback town called dolby in regional north queensland of australia which is out out back right out back i was scheduled to go out there to set up a, a crusade for will Graham. and i was going out um to do this pre-training for about 200 church leaders and my mom died two weeks before and i they said to me they were obviously really lovely and said "Oh, you don't have to go and all that but i wanted to go i wanted to still keep going it's a good for me it's a part of grieving to keep going and all that sure but i i, I had this um time but i did have a bit of time off and i remember at my mum's funeral i was just thinking i was going to have this faith crisis when the coffin was lowered down I, I don't know why i zeroed in on that moment but i did and i thought that when the coffin goes down i'm going to have a faith crisis because my mum has gone and i I was much closer to my mum than I was with my dad, and I was kind of left to sort of care for him. And as the coffin went down, I was bracing myself for this mental sort of snap that I'd heard other people talk about. And, you know, keep in mind we've been been caring for mum for over nearly 10 years and and my dad at that stage for 20 years. So it's been a long journey. And I'd put a lot of my life on hold uh, to do that. And as the coffin went down, the complete opposite happened. I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard the script. Uh, the scripture came into my head: um, "He is not here; He's risen." And it was translated to "She is not here; She's risen." And in that moment, the opposite of a snap happened. A fusing happened in my mind that this is what life's about. Um, what else? Peter said, "Where else can we go? What what other hope is there?" And it's one of the great. Uh, misnomers that, you know, when you engage sort of an, an apologetics area, which for any non-Christians listening, it's sort of a, a an area of Christian thinking where we sort of engra- engage with tough questions. When you engage that thought process, no other world it's people don't often understand this, but no other world religion actually promises eternal life. Only Christianity promises eternal life. So in that, that moment that I thought I was going to have a snap, um, Christianity rose on the cluttered marketplace of world religions, and it rose. And in that moment, it, it, I saw power in my life, and I saw a, a great comfort and a strength in my life, and it's carried me on. I mean, that was nearly seven, eight years ago today, and it's carried me to today. It's been lasting, which is, I think, often a real test of those moments is, mm-hmm. does it last? And so,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, I, I lost my younger sister 10, 10 and a half years ago. Uh and and you do you do process a lot of these things and you ask the hard questions. But then when you go to when you have a scriptural foundation that sounds like you had, Mm -hmm. uh I know I had, thank you to my parents. Um Mm -hmm. some odd scriptures can come to mind, you know. Uh death where is your victory, you know, grave or death where's your sting, grave Mm where's your victory. But there's one in particular that I always thought was weird that I felt like I kind of understood at least better. Uh, through that. And that is this idea that God calls the death of the saints precious in his sight. Yeah. Did, did those kinds of scriptures start to actually make sense when you're going through that?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember walking along the foreshore. I I One of my best friends was the executive manager at the Sofitel Hotel in Sydney at the time of my mom dying. And he paid for me to have um, or he helped me, you know, go there for a weekend just to sort of clear my mind because mm. I was still living with my dad, caring for him. So I just had this weekend off and I got up early and I was walking along the foreshore around the Sydney Opera House, which if anyone has ever seen that or, or Googled it or whatever, yeah. is absolutely, you know, it really is the best our City's got to offer. It's yeah. stunning. And it was early in the morning and I remember walking along and... Those scriptures were coming to my mind that you're mentioning. And then I just had this realisation that the greatest gift you can give your children when you die is not an inheritance of of money. It's the assurance of where you've gone. Um, because I knew where my mum had gone and it comforted me. And I had read, it's not a scripture, but I'd read a quote by, I think it was, i um, kind of going back in my deep memory here, but it was Isabel Kuhn who was a um I probably pronunciated her name wrong there, but she was the China Inland mission missionary. And she said that death is not the 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 end of life. It's the consummation of life. It's the transition of life mm. into something greater. And that simple analogy uh of the butterfly of the caterpillar, sorry, entering the the cocoon came to mind for me. And yeah very powerful
0: yeah and you know i mean this this is that is you know one of the biggest questions um from people who are struggling with their faith is is things of death and suffering uh where did you where did you find yourself uh at the end you know after losing both of your parents after seeing so much suffering after you know having to go to the funerals and stare at death right in the face um where, where where did you find yourself in your relationship with god yeah that's a,
1: another great question it was a real sort of to be honest i'm just a pretty straight up and down honest Please. guy hey I'm hey not, you're on you're on into, the right program you can't say yeah sure yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm not not into all the fluff and all that so um it's probably my Australianness coming through there but um Oh, it was a real journey you know it, there was good moments and there were very hard moments yeah. and especially still having to care for my dad and my dad and me my dad was very like just to be honest i mean he's passed away now so i can talk about it without not honoring him you know he was a very abusive guy it was a very difficult situation mm-hmm. um we had the many times when he was not disabled before he became disabled from strokes many times we had Uh, six to eight police officers at the house and I was intervening in domestic violence situations. And so then having to care for him, um, a number of his friends from uh, Blacktown Baptist Church in here in Sydney, they were just um, fantastic. And they knew that he was a tough character to put it nicely. And they were really the deacons of the church who were his generation. They would really encourage me. Um, And also, uh, you know, my sister um, around how we were caring for him and and how we were still loving him even though because like we we stayed we chose to stay present with him um and stay with him and there was a tough moment at the time I was actually working for Franklin Graham he was coming to Sydney to run a, Australia to run a, a big meeting to commemorate from memory the 60th anniversary of his father coming and bringing a big revival here in 1959 and he came in 2019 to commemorate that And I was directing his Sydney crusade, uh, which was ended up being quite large, you know, 20 odd thousand or something like that. I can't remember. So I was running that under the supervision of the uh, American staff. And um, I remember this one night where dad had to, I had all these things scheduled with that and, you know, things like that. You can't just drop it and and leave, you know, because you've got. 300 pastors it's time critical you've got to make it work you know and there's a lot of money and a lot of effort being invested into it at the same time my dad needed to go in and out of hospital and there was all this stuff and we checked him in got him in and then he checked himself out and the ambulance brought him home and then they were ringing us and we were all confused because we're like what is going on here because the ambulance officer was ringing us saying oh, we brought him back home. And we're like, what do you mean you brought him back home? You know, what's going on? "Ah." And, you know, it was a pretty, uh, I'm sanitizing all that. It was a pretty frustrating moment. And in those moments, all you can do, Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, who I've read a lot of in my life, uh, he said in those moments, sometimes you can't read the Bible. Sometimes you can't even pray. Sometimes all you can do is trust the Lord. And I... You know, that's a very real comment because obviously we need to read the Bible and pray every day. But I just think at the end of the day, when you're in those hard moments, the grace of the Lord carries you through it if you're walking with him. And the only other reflection I'd have for people listening in that situation is plant yourself in a local church because the local body of believers will carry you when you can't carry yourself. And that was true for me.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to go to that because it sounds like, uh, you know, I don't know how it's like in Australia, but in the U.S., we, 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 we've got a good independent streak that can become a bad independent streak, <laughs> you know? Mm. Uh, and and mm. I think we forget the importance of community, and not just when things are not good, but you have to have that foundation, right? You have to have the relationship mm. before the bad times mm. in order for them to help you through the bad mm. times. How mm. much did God's people reveal God to you?
1: Oh, massively. Everything. I've got a friend. I just had lunch with him yesterday, actually, for my birthday. And I remember him standing out the front. Uh, his name's Nathan. And I remember him standing. I, I just looked out the window one night and he was standing out the front of my house praying you're just standing there right and he's not a weirdo he's not a weirdo you know he's not he's not a weirdo you know he's a really normal guy the, i love it like, i love yeah, that you have he, to specify he, that because some. Yeah, problem, yeah. I, think, right? I think he was feeling like weird what he was doing you know but he's not a weirdo and i just looked at and you know i didn't even go out there I well, it was a tough moment the ambulance and all that had been there that day and i just saw him there and i just thought He's just standing there praying. Mm. And we saw the value of that. We saw the truth of that. Obviously, the the tangible stuff like meals and that at times. But yeah. for us, you know, my, my parents were reasonably affluent, you know, that we didn't really need that sort of stuff. It was more the prayer, the spiritual stuff, you know, and so we just found that to be everything. And as I said, I think Ultimately, the way I would summarize it is that, and I actually, and I'm not in any way plugging this, because I'm not one of these people that's on here to plug a book. I'm just here to share a message. But I actually wrote another book on that called To Those Who Suffer many, 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 many years ago, uh, chronicling my journey through that. I I mentioned it because we're talking about it. And Mm. as I said, I'm not, I like to justify it because I'm not plugging books. I'm (laughs) not about about that. Um, I'm about the message. But um, I, in that book, I sort of came to the place where I said, "Hey, like, your faith can either be destroyed or built up through these things, and in some sense, it is a choice that God gives you, mm-hmm. and you have to make that choice." And I chose to. I, I was able to see that the the lens that I see life through was enriched and emboldened by the journey I'd been through, and then it it fed into the ministry angle of things, you know, and so the support of people plays such a role it's it's everything and then you've got and i and i really reiterate that point that we both just said like plant yourself in a local church one of the problems with covid and all these things we've been through is that we've all retreated a lot of us have retreated from local church it's not the same it's not the same and so being in a local church there's a famous story if i if i I'll, I'll, if i may you know about charles spurgeon from england he's had a guy come to him apparently and said, "I'm going to leave the church, you know, Reverend, and all that kind of thing." And he apparently didn't say anything to him. He just reached out to the coal fire in front of them both and took a coal out and put it in the middle of them, and the coal went out because it wasn't with the other coals. And then he picked it up and put it back in, and apparently the man said to him, "I understand. I'll be at church on my, on on Sunday, mm-hmm. you know." And so, I think there's a lot of symbolism in that.
0: Yeah, there is, and it's been more of an effort for you guys down in Australia after COVID because yeah. uh, y'all's yeah. restrictions were much more difficult than most of ours here uh you you, you don't like to plug books but I, 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 on, on this program books are footnotes they are references they're a place to yeah. go if you want to follow yeah. up and get more information and go deeper and so mm-hmm. w- I, I welcome all that in in light of that in that spirit this is the book searching for god in christianity by sean nolan uh, and if you want to go deeper, there's your footnote, there's your reference. And now you can uh, you can go a little deeper into this topic if you want to. Let's get to some of what you're seeing now. Uh, you know, the things that frustrate any of us in ministry where we're like, why are people not seeing what we see? You know, it's it's frustrating mm-hmm. at times, mm-hmm. but can you make a blind man see? Only God can, you know. But what are you, what are you seeing when you look out there in the culture and the, the decline of the church globally uh, in, in a lot of ways? And in some ways, the deconstruction that can be, it's not destruction, but it's reconstruction uh, of a more authentic faith. So that can go either way. But what, what are you seeing over there?
1: So uh, my whole thing is like I'm a theologian now as well as being a pastor and my whole thing is translating theology into English into the everyday and so let me start there's a I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old two daughters and they love watching an Australian cartoon I don't I I think it's I think it's played on American TV and my American friends tell me that um it's called Bluey and it's about a little dog and uh really cute cartoon and there was a new episode that came out I was watching with my three-year-old last night before she went to bed and in it, they' they're, they're all playing cricket. And there's two when someone bowls you a fast ball, similar to baseball, a fast pitch, I guess, there's two ways to deal with it. You can either go on the back the back foot to give yourself another half a second to react to it, but you're meant to go onto your front foot, like lean into it. Mm-hmm. because when you do that, two things happen. One, mentally you're feeling a lot more confident about yourself because you're you're attacking and you're not retreating but two you get in in cricket they bounce the ball so it hits the pitch and comes up and when you get closer to it coming up from the bounce it can't deviate as much and you can hit it a lot easier And so 30 years ago, when I was at Tingo Baptist Cricket Club, Mr. Markham, my coach, who's long with the Lord, used to yell at us all the time, get on the front foot, foot boys, get on the front Mm. foot, play the ball on the front foot. And as a church, we need to start playing these balls on the front foot. Mm. We need to be getting, um, and I'm not talking about being aggressive there. I'm talking about being confident. And Campbell Morgan, the great prayer warrior, said, "Assert." The power of the gospel, assert the strength of our master, the direct quote is. And we do that when we get, when we evacuate other concerns, simply put, we come to the gospel message and understand what that gospel message is. And then, and this is a critical part, we, and I don't, I'm sorry if this is a big word, but we sort of activate or actualize the gospel through prayer. And we need to rescue prayer from this sort of mindset that is ritualistic and boring and long-winded. Jesus didn't say, pray long prayers. He rebuked the Pharisees for mm-hmm. long prayers. He said, pray quality, not quantity. And so um that, in many ways, to summarise it, that's what the book's about, about getting on the front foot, to use that cricket metaphor mm-hmm. um, from that car- kid's cartoon, and then get on the front foot with the power of the gospel and then assert the strength of our master through prayer. We We... The battle is not ours, it's 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 God's battle, and we need to bring his power to bear in the situation through prayer. And interestingly, um, when I've studied theology, I've noticed that there's three great theological streams that exist in the history of the church that most Protestant Christians are. Maybe our Catholic friends would have a few different uh, other thoughts there, but most Protestant people would say there was a theological, uh, a big theological moment around the time of the church councils, which culminated in the Nicene Creed and the writings of Augustine. There was the second theological movement in the time of the Reformation with John Calvin and Martin Luther and a third critical theological movement around the time of World War I and World War II with Karl Barth, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Emil Brunner and others. And in all three of those theological movements, when you study them, there's a symmetry and there's a sameness there. All three of them involved an evacuation back to the core gospel. Mm. Karl Barth, the great German theologian, pulled out two Corinthians five nineteen and said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself and is committed to us a message of reconciliation. And he said that is the central theological truth of the Bible. And then we actualize that through what John Calvin called invocational prayer. And all three of those theological movements—Augustine ends his writing on the on the Trinity with this idea of praying the praying the message of the gospel into our lives and our ministries John Calvin said in the Institutes of the Christian Religion this type of prayer he called it invocational prayer which is a big word but this type of prayer is the chief activity of faith by which we daily receive all of our benefits. That's the direct quote. And then Carl Barth, and they're actually sitting behind me on my bookshelf about there. <laughs> um, he, he summarized his mammoth work, Church Dogmatics, with the same idea that he borrowed from John Calvin. And so when you realize that there's an in, these people have gone before us, they've actually already had these problems. They've proven a solution. They've presented a solution to us. And if we would follow that that path and evacuate to the gospel, pray the gospel, we'll see power. And just finally, that's the theology angle. But when you go over to the missionary and evangelist world, you see the missionaries saying the same thing, like Hudson Taylor. And I remember when I went many, many years ago to uh, the Billy Graham Library in North Carolina, there was a quote on the wall from Dr. Graham saying, Three things are needed for revival, prayer, prayer, and more prayer. (laughs) And so you see this popping up everywhere. Uh, We just need to, the enemy will distract us with many things like uh, the Mary and Martha story. Uh, We need to resist those distractions and come back to what we know which is the gospel and praying that
0: message. An interesting thing about prayer, by the way, the first and only cricket analogy ever on Life Today Live, thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) You've really enriched the program. Um, (laughs) But I have a a follow-up sports question. But uh, before, uh, the serious point is that uh, I I was talking to Addison Bevere, Bevere, who's a young guy got a great book on prayer out now um, about the idea of prayer, and I realized that most of the time I mean, I'm repenting over past things, which we should do, mm-hmm. and then I'm asking or praying over future things, which we should do, but when I started being more aware of praying for the present, God, what should mm-hmm. I, how should I answer that person? How should I, you know, handle this situation in front of me right now today, That seem to get it out of the past and future and into the present and mm. it, it it's changed things and the more i do yeah. that and you know i that i think that that's where you get the idea of praying without ceasing in other words constant prayer which is not mm. go in your closet mm. and repeat mm. the same thing it, it's like mm. no mm. like invite god into every mm. situation for direction for wisdom um mm. it, and and to me that that is sort of the actual steps to do what you're talking about you know which is which is to handle that how do i talk to this person right now lord give me your the words or tell me to shut up whatever your direction uh mm-hmm. in this situation now when we do that it's a different it's a different experience does that resonate with mm-hmm. you at all
1: it absolutely does and i would add, just add a little thought there that one thing that really blew me away, and like I'm not, you know, like I don't live my life, uh, you know, constantly thinking about theologians and Christian <laughs> writers who have passed many years ago. It's I live okay. In the pre- it's okay live- if you do. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the present. But um, one thing that really struck me, which was in real contrast to my prayer life and sort of, I think, how we operate today, is that when you read, like, for example, Martin Luther's preface to Romans, and Martin Luther, John Calvin, these people were not perfect. They had issues in their lives, you know, so we don't want to get carried away there. But, like, when you read it, the emphasis on is on this, that all of the Christian work in your life, we would call it sanctification, repentance, everything. It's an action of the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah. It's something God accomplishes in you. And so when we think about the idea of my faith, well, We've got to go back a step. My faith is actually a gift from God. So in many ways, it's actually my faith that I'm borrowing from God or where I'm not just borrowing but being given. It's the gift from God. Um, and so when we start to understand that we, when Jesus says in John 15, he's like, fair guys, like, guys, I'm not kidding. When he says, you could do nothing without me, he literally means what he said. <laughs> and so when we understand that if we aren't praying, our our life, um, our Christian life, if we're not having that time of connection with the Lord, I like to liken it to like, it's like a two-dimensional square on a piece of paper. That's our walk with the Lord. If we're not praying, when we're, sorry, let me put it in the positive. When we pray, that two-dimensional square lifts to like a 3D cube, and everything changes. Our perspective changes. Everything becomes anew. Mm-hmm. And you look at there's so many different examples one that's in my mind it's a little bit um abstract but when you look at the old testament the story of joseph and um and 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 all that he went through and jacob God, throughout those situations, He gave them a fresh understanding of their circumstances through interpreting ger- dreams and all these kinds of things. And if you go on the map of Egypt today, there's a little bit of land there that's green, just below the main part of the Egyptian plain. There's a little bit of green land there, and the the scholars say that that's what God actually did to get uh, uh, the Egyptians through the through the famine at that time. He 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 opened up. Um, Joseph's eyes and enabled him to see that he needed to build a canal to irrigate this fresh piece of land. Mm. And so when we're praying, and I know that's a bit of a random example, but when we're praying, um, God can open our mind to a new perspective on our circumstances and give us a new uh, avenue towards that so that we can see things differently and then receive blessing. It's not like God doesn't want to help us in our circumstances. He's just trying to build some spiritual infrastructure in our lives first. And that's really been my... Um, testimony of my journey over the years and you know to just take it to a gra- a grassroots really organic level i before i released the book i read a quote from Rick Warren saying that if you're writing something you need to live it and you need to prove it and so i started praying this prayer, this type of prayer to receive from the lord to really um center on praying the death of Christ daily in me, Galatians 2, 20, and the resurrection of Christ. Lord, crucify my flesh daily. Lord, you do it. I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do that. You do it. You bring your resurrection life daily. And you know, Randy, I, I know this is a really frivolous example, but I've I struggled with my weight my whole life. Mm. And when I started praying that, all of a sudden the desire to overeat it went. And all of that changed. And in the last nine months, I've lost 25 kilos. And so I was. I'm not trying to be all frivolous, but I'm trying to give an organic, real example that when we start activating the gospel in our, in, in our life, God does and can help us with our circumstantial problems. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I don't find that frivolous at all. In fact, I think that's exactly the very practical uh, mm-hmm. role that God wants to play in our lives. Not, mm-hmm. you know, why why would He care about our weight? Well, because it's, it's an inhibition to doing all that he would like to do right. through our lives a lot of times. And mm-hmm. there, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's many things like that. And it's very interesting. I do think that that is exactly what God does because he starts with, okay, look, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm I'm going to work on you. You know, we always pray for yeah. other people or God help me to do this. And God's like, let's, let's talk about you. To circle mm-hmm. back to my sports analysis real quick. Um, and I just want to ask because I don't know this about cricket because I know nothing about cricket except that it seems to go on for days and days and days. Um, <laughs> in, it does. In two, okay, in two sports that I do know, golf and baseball, you have this shifting of the weight, uh, and, and that is where the power comes from. So when you move, if you're moving uh, to your back foot, you would lose power. If you're moving to your front foot when you swing towards the ball – that's where power comes from. And and so to talk about prayer as a shift to the front foot, is that the same true in cricket? Do you get the power there?
1: Yeah, it, it is. And like in a cricket bat, there's also like in the, the bottom middle of the bat, they call it a sweet spot. That's yeah. what we call it, sweet yeah, yeah. spot. Where if the ball hits that, um, it will bounce. That's where there's a there's an elasticity in the wood that's, that the craftsman puts in there. Huh. And so when you're on the front foot, it's much easier to get that sweet spot on the ball because if you go on the back, um, to not to stretch the analogy too far, but if you go on the back foot, you're not really controlling the bat. You're just letting the ball happen to you, we would say. But when you go on the front foot, you're controlling the situation and you can get that, put your bat, match the ball up with the sweet spot on your bat and bang, you know, and there's a there's a there's a there's a real energy there, you
0: yeah. know. Well I I I, lo- I love it actually, you know, prayer mm. uh puts you in your sweet spot to give you more yeah, power yeah, and more good. bang in your Christian life. <laughs> right, you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> right, I love that. It's, good. Well, I it's yours. That. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with a cricket analogy, so that, that's all I'll tell you. All right, uh, Sean, this has been a fabulous conversation. Uh, I, I know there's so much more we could talk about. And again, I would point people to your book, "Searching for God in Christianity," a good, obviously, you can tell, thoughtful book, an exercise, and, and one with very practical, real-world applications. Uh, is there any anything you want to mention before I let you go? It's been a wonderful conversation.
1: No, I think I'm pretty good. And I'm I'm really, you know, it's been great chatting with you, mate. And, you know, we have a lot of love and respect for the American Christian community here in Australia. We've been close to you guys over the years. And I think it's been a real blessing to us as 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 a people. And so all the American Christian leaders out there know that you've got a lot of friends down here in Aussie. And there's a lot of love for you guys and all that you do for the Lord around the world.
0: I uh, love it, and uh, the feeling is mutual, uh, and Life Today, the broadcast program, has been on in Australia for yep. like 20-something years, uh, yep, and so, yeah, yeah, have you seen it? Okay, well, good. Yay. I want to point out the website, yep. hopesociety.org.au, okay, all you Americans overseas, they use the multiple dots dot uh, uk dot <laughs> au don't be scared of that hopesociety.org.au and that looks just like this so you'll know you're on the right website to see what's going on down there with sean nolan and uh all the yeah you know, god god doesn't sit on the sidelines you know um he, he's got his plan he invites us into it uh and uh everyone's got a place uh, but it's, it's, it's exciting to see what he's doing around the world uh, and certainly yeah. a very friendly nation of Australia. So um, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful to see and hear from you. Again, thank you, Sean. I appreciate you and appreciate no all you guys out there watching. Uh, if you want to share this and encourage some people, do that. Hit that share button. If you haven't liked followed, or subscribed, we love it when you do that. And come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time.
1: In in spite of our sins In spite of our failures God says I love you I love you